Good morning. And my voice cracked at my first word. <laughs> I am not Leonard. That's usually how I start out these things. So <laughs> Uh, filling in for him while he's gone, so I'm going to do my best on that. I appreciate the opportunity for that on, uh, while they are away, and hopefully they are having a really, really good time. <laughs> Ben's thinking they are. So, All right, uh, I'm Chris Howell. For those uh, that don't know me, I know we have some visitors today, so really glad to have you here with us. Uh, and... Like I said, filling in with uh, Fort Leonard this morning and this evening. And when you, if you come back and visit us again when Leonard's preaching, you'll see how much better a preacher he is. So, uh, Today I'd like to talk about um, the race. Really the race that we're all in. The race of life. I'm thankful to uh, Cortez for reading that passage I'm going to reread it here so we can uh, and we can uh, let's take a look and turn to it as well it's 1 Corinthians 9 starting at verse 24 now this is Paul talking about again reminding writing to Christians about what we are in in this life so what does he say he says know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So he was talking here about, he's referring to basically what they had as their, we would consider Olympic type games. Uh, there was different sets of games. These were, I think, the Grecian games he was talking about, but same kind of principle. Uh, they would run, they would prepare, and at this race, only one got the prize. There was only kind of one you had to be. You had to come in first to get the prize, and, but he says here, "So run that you may obtain." And every man that striveth uh, for the mastery is temperate in all things. Right? Uh, he would keep things under control while he's doing this, while while they're uh, trying to run this race, trying to prepare for this race. But it says, "Now they that do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible." So now he's applying it. Right, they were getting an, a corruptible crown. Uh, if I'm understanding it right, they would get it was basically a leaf set of some kind that they put. I don't know if it's olives branches or something, but it was. It, they would run very hard and train very hard to get something that was very temporary. Let's just say, right? Um, the but what he's saying here is, but we're in a race to get an incorruptible prize, right? So he's comparing it. And I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, you know, so he is running, not here and there, he's running a certain race, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, you know, not just throwing fist in the air that didn't really do anything, but I uh, keep my body under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway, or another word for this is disqualified. Right. Uh, in those races, you could become disqualified. And this is the same way we could become disqualified today, too, in our race. So looking at that text, he sees them running a race, competing for a prize, kind of fighting for it. 
But he also observes that there's some common, we can observe there's some common principles between those that are running that race and those that are running, we're running the race today. The race needs motivation. You also need self-control. And you also have to be prepared. What do you do for that, uh, to, to obtain that prize? So let's look at those aspects of the race that we're all in. This race, this race we have in this life, uh, and where are we running? First one, let's talk about the importance of motivation. For an athlete, there's proper motivation that is necessary to win, right? There, there may be some uh, different motives for running races today. You, you might want to win. You might do it for your health. You might do it for other, uh, for, for other reasons. But there is a motivation there, right? Think about our motivation that we have for running our race of life. What is our motivation? They were running for a corruptible crown, but when he says for us it's incorruptible crown, what does he mean? He's talking about the race to heaven. Right? If we can successfully run that race, and you don't have to come in first in that race. right? The only thing we have to do in this race, this spiritual race we have, is finish. If we finish that race successfully, we'll get the incorruptible crown that he speaks of. So in a life of a Christian, you know, you have to have that proper motivation to live. Are we, do we have the motivation to live for God in this life? You can have, and this is a point where you can look and say, well, what are my motives? What am I looking to do each day? Am I living for God each day? Or am I living for the world? Or am I living for the paycheck? Or if am I living for I'm going to get more things? Or living for that next whatever you have coming up in life? Compare that. What is your true motivation in living this life? The crown of righteousness really motivated Paul. He makes that really clear. Second uh, Timothy uh, two, uh, I'm sorry. Second Timothy four, starting at verse seven. This is towards the end of Paul's life, but he said, "I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course." What did he do? He finished the race. I have kept the faith. He finished the race successfully. He was sure of that. No, he's alive, and he's saying that. Think about that. It's he knew he was towards the end of his life, but he's saying, "Look, I've done it." We should have that confidence. I really, I really want that confidence to say, yes, I'm, I'm on the path, I'm headed towards heaven. The things of this world really don't matter to that extent. I need to cast those aside. So here he is, and continuing what he has here, henceforth, or therefore, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He, he, he just says it. It's not like I think it's there. I'm sort of hoping it's there. He's like, it's there. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but to all of them that love is appearing. And that's, the, that's another point. We all have this opportunity. We can all have the crown. 
Let's turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath brought, begotten us again unto a lively hope, or a living hope, by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, to an inheritance, this is what we get because Jesus was raised, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who have kept who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in that last time. So in that same way that Paul was saying, hey, I've got this crown. It's there for me. I just got to finish my course and I'm at the end, he was saying there in Timothy. But he's saying every one of us, and Peter is saying here, every one of us has that waiting if we keep the faith, right? If we keep going. Right, and that's what that's what he was talking about, and it's there reserved for us if we keep going. Second Peter three, starting at verse thirteen, says, "Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless." So here's the other thing. We have to run this diligently. What does it mean to be diligent? That means to strive, to keep on. The life of a Christian is not apathetic. We talked about that today in class. That's a danger, right? It is to become apathetic, to be stay, you know, in a Christian life we shouldn't, you know, be, well, I'm good. I don't have to do anymore. No, no. The life of a Christian is work. That's why it's compared to a race. How far will you get in the race if you stop? You won't finish, right? How far will you, if you stop and turn around and go off course and walk some other way, will you finish it? No, you won't. You have to stay on the path and you have to keep going. And a race takes effort to keep going and direction. Just as Jesus endured the cross uh, for us as well, let's look at that where it says in Hebrews 12, starting at verse 1, and starting at verse 1. Uh, it says, Wherefore, seeing we are all compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus, who came here, he had a job to do, right? He came, he had his own race. His race is a little different than ours because he had to finish his so that we could be in that race, right? But how did Jesus look at that? Was that an easy race for Jesus? Let's think about that for a second. Would that be an easy race for anybody? But look, now the Son of God who came down knowing that he would the life he would live, the punishment he would have, the sacrifice of his life, cruelly, and he didn't do anything wrong. Right? But he had to be that sacrifice instead of us. Right? He took that on for us. And how did he look at it in verse 2? It says, Who for joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. He had joy doing that. Was it easy? Not at all. He asked God for, is there some other way? But the answer was no. But he still had joy because he was accomplishing 
his purpose, why he came down. He was finishing his race. Another thing we need to do have in this race is self-control. We have to do preparation for the race. We have to be prepared for it. 1 Corinthians 9.25 it says, uh, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. So it takes striving. It takes uh, temperance in your life, right? A balance. That's kind of what it's talking about there. Now an athlete may, you know, what goes all into that? Um, well, and I was thinking about this too, this idea that popped into my head, that if, if someone came along here right now in this crowd and said, uh, hey, a year from now, I'm going to give you a year to prepare for it, I'm going to and you need to complete a marathon one year from today. If you do that, I'll give you a million dollars. There's a target, there's motivation. Would that change your life? Would you say, okay, I'm getting ready for it. Like, I'm in no shape to run a marathon. But I'd probably start preparing to run it, right? I'd be getting ready. I'm like, I got a year. You know, there's no time limit. You don't have to come in first. You just got a day you got to finish it on. That, you know, that would motivate people, right? How much more so would, does heaven motivate us? That's a lot more than a million dollars, Right? So what do we, you know, what motivates us? I, you know, that thought was kind of stri striking me. I wanted to bring that up. But an athlete, they're motivated by a corruptible crown. That's what it's saying. Not saying that they're wrong in being an athlete. It's just saying what they get there is temporary, right? There's some temporary glory. There's some temporary, there might be a prize or things along those lines. But then they, if they're going to get that prize, they have to dedicate themselves. They've got to watch what? Their diet. They've got to watch that they sleep enough. Uh, they, gotta, they have a training schedule. They have to stay away from things that would deter them from that goal, right? I know we have uh, a runner here, Madison, right? You know, she, uh, she's going to the Nationals, and that's like, great. Do you think she's got there by not doing anything? <laughs> no, she ran. And she runs and runs and runs, I'm sure. I hear for her birthday, she runs every birthday a mile for every year she is. I don't know how long that can go on. <laughs> but I'm just kind of blown away. But you can't just, like, I, if I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that, i got a birthday coming up, am I going to do that? I'm not going to run 57 miles. Right? There's no way. I'm not even... <laughs> I can't run one mile <laughs> because I'm not prepared for it. I've not trained myself. I'm not there. Because it takes that to do these physical goals that we have here. Now, in how do we apply this to be a spiritual to the spiritual side? Well, we've got a spiritual side. I mean, we, we know we have this physical body. We also should know we have a spiritual one, right? And it takes self-control it takes exercising your spirit it takes feeding your spirit to lead the kind of life to stay on that spiritual race self-control is necessary first corinthians 9 27 but i hear he says i kept under my body and bring it into subjection right he's talking about his spiritual body here lest by any means when i preach to others i should find myself a castaway or it means disqualified in this spiritual race we can be disqualified we can start this race and we can be disqualified how by getting off the path by stopping by saying hey i'm going to go over here 
off the path. I'm going to go to the broad path instead of the narrow way, right? So we have to keep our uh, keep our spiritual body under control. It's necessary. There, you know, we have to avoid the works of the flesh we talk, uh, that are written out in Galatians five. Uh, you can go there and and and, and see that uh, the spirit of God that we get from His word word is there to help us. Right? That in First Peter. Uh, in 2 verses 11 this is part of that spirit of the of the word of god that's delivered to us that needs to live in us first peter 2:11 says dearly beloved i beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul now think about that for a minute what what does that sin do fleshly lust it wars against the soul what what happens in war Destruction and death, right? I, I, this every time I see that, you know, I see it in in happen to others, and in and it should be a lesson for us all. It happens to me at times too. But sin, let's let's think about it. sin destroys. That's all it does. That's what he's talking about being in a war. It. Destroys. It destroys lives. It destroys families. It destroys happiness. And it destroys your soul. It'll destroy my soul too if I let it. That's why we need to stay away from it. Having the sin in our lives, unforgiven sin or continuing to participate in sin, takes us off that path, takes us out of the race, disqualifies us. Hebrews 12, starting at verse 1, says, Wherefore, seeing we are all compassed about it with a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So we have to say, you know, look, running a race is difficult. We have, okay, let's accept the fact that running a spiritual life is difficult. It just is. No one's going to say it's easy. But we do all kinds of hard things, right? You know, for worldly things, well, you know, for our jobs, for, you know, whatever else comes our way, we do difficult things. Well, running a spiritual life is difficult. We just need to accept that it is. Sometimes we have to do things that we don't feel like, right? Because that's the better thing to do. But you, you know, you might say, "Well, what, are, what if I fall? What if I stumble on this race? What if I fall down?" Well, you've got choices at that point. Do you, do you give up, or you, do you get up? Right? That's do we get back up into that race? Because that's the thing. If you get off the path, as long as you still have time in your life and breath in your body, you can get back on the path. That's the nature of the mercy and forgiveness of God. We just have to get back on it. Well, what if I get tired? Well, who doesn't get tired here? Right? You know, we all get tired. That's okay. Well, it's okay to get some rest. Some days are going to be better than others. Some days you may excel and say, "Hey, I did a lot of, you know, got a lot of things done. Got a for God, right? You know, um, some days we're going to have setbacks." But the important thing is to keep going. Let's get back up, get on the path, and go.
I was just uh, talking to Carrie right before this is that, um, you know, it was a, some of us uh, went out, I, I know they must have had more than one group, but we went Friday to go and sing to Joyce in her room. And I was just telling Carrie right before this, I'm like, I'm still feeling that. That was just terrific. You know, because we were there sharing the joy with Joyce, seeing that her sing and John sing, and we were all singing together. Just It was not a lot much better at that moment. And I'm still kind of riding high on that one because it was, it was just so good. That's, you know, get back up, you know, encourage others. It's okay to fall. You know what? We'll all fall. I've fallen. We have to get back up and get going on the race. Galatians 6 9 says, And let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Don't give up. Now, talking about being prepared, that's another point that's uh, uh, important in a race. Uh, for, for Now, for an athlete, we talked a bit about this already. When they are doing a race, uh, exercise is how they prepare. Uh, they have different training rituals. Um, you know, some long-distance runners may run 20, 10, 20 miles a day or swimmers swim 10 miles a day. I can't imagine that, but that's what they have to do for it. Um, but they have, that's essential for them in what they do. Because they have to if they want to be competitive, uh, if they want to get through their hardships that they have with different competition and to get the victory, right? If they want to win, they have to put in the work. Well, in the life of a Christian, there's godly exercise that we can do. Uh, let's look at uh, 1 Timothy 4, starting at verse 8. It says, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is Profitable unto all things, having the promise of the life that now is and of which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. So he's saying, you know, now it's even pointed out here that from a spiritual sense, bodily exercise doesn't profit much. Right? I mean, it's good. We should take care of our bodies. That's God's given us to it. But he, he's saying in comparison to the spiritual things, it's so much more. Right? We will labor. We will, it says, suffer reproach because we trust in God. So, there is that need that we need to have for, for, that, uh, for that exercise we know so that we can get the benefits now in this life. It's not just all. It's the other thing. You lead a spiritual life following God, putting Him first, others second, and then yourself follows up that. You get benefits now, right? You surely do. And you get the promise of that incorruptible crown to come. So let's look at some examples here of what could be a uh, spiritual life. One is we find in 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, sometimes I think we limit this passage a little bit. We say it often on that. But study here really means to be diligent. Now, 
studying God's word is part of what we need because it talks about rightly dividing the truth. But how diligently, how much are we striving in our life? Because it's really strive to show yourself approved unto God is, is probably a better w- way to say that. So you then can rightly divide the word of truth, which involves study. That's a way we can feed our spirit, exercise our spirit, spend time in God's word. If you have a question about it, ask somebody, right? You know, there's many, you know, ask someone here. We can study with you as well if you've got, if you've got a question. I know, uh, you know, I'll ask, you know, I'll send Scott messages sometimes. Here's a thought I have here, right? And then he'll respond back, well, here's what I'm thinking on it and things like that. And we'll kind of go back and forth. We can lean on each other in this. Philippians 4, let's look at this. This is talking about uh, prayer. Philippians 4, starting at verse 6, says, Be careful for nothing or be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. So how do we do this? He's wanting to say, this will, take, this will help lessen that anxiety. Be in prayer for everything. Supplication. Make your request known for God with thanksgiving. Right? How thankful are we? How thankful are we to God for what we have and all the blessings that he's given to us? And what comes with that? We'll get peace. You'll get peace that goes beyond what you can understand. The closer I am to God, the more peace I have. Meditating on those things. Let's look, uh, continue there at Philippians 4, verse 8. It says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. I should read this verse every day to myself, right? Look at each one of these things. The, uh, are we thinking on true things, honest things, just things, pure things? Am I involving myself in pure things or impure things, right? That they, are they lovely, right? Are they a good report, right? It, he's... Is that what I'm filling my life with? How often do we think on these things? Or, like we talked about in class earlier, are we too busy with our day-to-day life? See, busyness and distractions are really the tools of the devil. They They take you away from your daily tasks for God, right? Now that doesn't say mean that everything you're doing is wrong. Right? We have to work. We have to do other things. But what am I filling my life with? Right? Um, there are things we need to do, and there may be then better things we need to do. Let's look at that, and and not let the spiritual goals get pushed out. Ask yourself, what are my spiritual goals in life? Right? What can we, what can we do in you know, uh, I can tend to procrastinate things at times. Well, I'll, I'll get to that tomorrow, right, for things for God. How often do we say, well, I'll, I'll do that Bible study tomorrow, or I'll contact that person that's been missing or I've been meaning to get in a hold. I'll do that next week. I'll help out with the church activity the next time. It, it's, it's, it's okay to stumble. Just get back up and get going again. That's the whole thing. How often are we too tired 
to do the godly things in our lives because we filled our life with everything else. And it may not be, I'm saying that, sinful activities, but when we are too busy for God, we are too busy. We need to look at that and set, kind of do a reset on our lives when we get that busy. We also have to uh, love the brethren, right? Uh, Romans uh, 12, starting at verse 9, says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brother, brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. So that's kind of a mouthful. Let's look at that. It says, let love be without dissimulation. How many times a day do you use that word? I don't. So what does that mean? It means without hypocrisy. Let your love be without hypocrisy. Don't be hypocritical. Be genuine. Be sincere. So when you show love to others, be sincere about it. Right? That's what he's saying. Abhor that which is evil. How often, you know, how often are we... We see evil and we're just repulsed at it, right? Or do we get used to it? I'm afraid too often I've been too used to things I'm seeing around myself in this world. We need to be repulsed and horrified at some of the things that are, uh, that are going on. Amen. And cleave. What does cleave mean? You know, that picture, you know, I picture, yeah, I don't know. I just had a strange vision. You know, the... Uh, like a sloth is. You ever see the sloth when it holds? It just holds on upside down and sleeps all day. That that, that, that sloth is cleaving to that tree. It will not. It will not let go. And it'll hang itself up there. I think for days, right? Think about cleaving. How often? You know. How much am I cleaving on to what is good, what is godly, and being kind to one another, especially the brethren? It's saying here. Loving, other not, loving others also means watching out for them. Uh, Judges 21-25 says, In those days there was no king in Israel, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. I think, from what I see, this world is full of that verse. right? Everybody's just, oh, I'm just going to do what's right for me. This is my truth. This is this. You know, It doesn't matter. Whatever. This is how I'm going to live my life. You shouldn't say anything against it. Uh, and, and it's, it, it seems to be just out of control of everybody just doing right in their own eyes. We need to focus back on God. We need to focus on His Word. We need to reach out to those that have been missing, right? Uh, and ask others to look out for you. Right? I, and I'm not saying this just of myself, but I know I've said several times to others, I know to Scott and others, and I'm like, hey, if you ever see me and I'll say it to you, going off path, please tell me. Don't keep it to yourself. Because I don't want to be off path. We should ask each other those things, right? If you see me going off, please tell me. Amen. <laughs> right? You don't have to make a public display or whatever. But this is like, hey, Chris, uh, I think you're off on this. <laughs> you, know? you, you can, you, we can come and watch out for each other, right? That's what we should be doing. In, the, in a race, if you were in a, a race with others, especially if you had teammates out there, it said, would you let someone go off course without saying anything? You know, you, you typically race in teams and groups. If you saw your friend going off, it's like, well, they must know what they're doing. I'll just let them go off course. We, don't, we wouldn't do that, right? Say, hey, get back on, right? And are we running 
Let's see. So, in that, you know, so you wouldn't want anybody to go off course. You don't want your spouse to go off course. You don't want your children, your loved ones, your friends. Help them along the way, and they'll help you. And think about: Are those you are around running the same race you are? The ones you spend the most time with. Um, I was, I was just referring to it. You ever notice in races the groups of runners run in packs? Well, why do they do that? Well, that helps them set a pace, right? And they can keep on track. Helps them keep them on course. It's a much more difficult race if we try to do it alone. Let's lean on each other for that. If you are, it's also a much more difficult race if you're surrounded by those that are off course. It's much harder to stay on the path if your loved ones and those around you are not there with you. So let's continue to be diligent, not only to keep ourselves on course, but help guide those around us back onto the path if they've left. And we can introduce people to the race and the path if they've never entered it. Right. And be determined. Let's be determined to live the live the example to those around us that you will not leave that path of righteousness. Let's turn along here and read along here at Romans 12. So please, uh, let's turn over to Romans 12, starting at verse 11. I've got a few verses here that I want to go through. Because this continues to tell us how to live, how we should be living our lives. Romans 12, starting at verse 11, says, Be not slothful in business, right? Not sloth- So don't don't be lazy in your work, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Why, when we're doing our jobs, right? Hopefully it's a job that can glorify God, but we do glorify God by not being lazy, right? In whatever we do. Rejoicing in hope. How often do we rejoice, right? Patient in tribulation, because we will have it. We will have tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. Keep up the prayers, is what he's saying. Distributing the, to the necessity of the saints. We, we talked about some of that this morning. We see a need, let's take care of it. Let's help them with whatever need that they have. Given to hospitality, how hospitable are we? Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. He kind of repeats that there. If someone's being awful to you, what do you do? Right? It's not, well, you know, hey, all these people that are awful, awful to me, I'm just going to cut them off. If they're going to be awful to me, I'm just not having anything to do. That's not what it says here, right? Now, it's not great that they're being awful to you, but what does he say? He says, bless them. How can we bless them? Why do that? Because it will change them, right? They'll, the world doesn't, listen, the world does not understand this, this sentence. If, you, if, you, if someone's doing something to you, you know, negatively, and they know it, and you turn around and bless them, they will go, what? Right? What do you, what do you mean? You know, it, it, it confuses the world if you do good to those that are uh, persecuting you. But that's what we're told to do. Um, let me find my place again. Okay, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Let's be with each other in the high points and the low points. If someone's rejoicing, let's be happy for them and with them. If someone's weeping, let's be weeping with them. Let's be there for them in their highs and lows. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. 
Let's not have the, oh, we talked about rich man and Lazarus in class today. There's not that. Let's be kind, help all, help everyone. Be not wise in your own conceits. Don't be conceited, right? Don't, well, go around saying, well, I know this and that, and you don't. That's not the way to be. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth within you, live peacefully, peaceably with all men. Right. So try to live uh, peaceably. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. The Lord's going to take care of vengeance. We don't have to do that. Right? can throw that burden off of you. You don't have to do that. In fact, he doesn't want you to. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he th- thirst, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Right? And that's what we were saying before. If you're doing good to someone who's doing evil to you, it's going to wake him up saying, why are you doing this? Right? Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. That set of verses... Again, that's one we should repeat on and, and live on because our, you know, if we're doing these things, you, this is the kind of spiritual exercise we need to be staying on that path. So, looking at this in conclusion, right? There are certain we are all on a race, right? We are all on this life's race, whether you know it or not. You're you're competing now. You may be sitting in the sidelines, you may be off on another path, or you may be right there where God wants you, right? But the thing of it is, you need to know how to get there if you haven't, right? And if you've fallen off, you need to come back. If you've not, uh, if you've never been on the path, then that there is a way to salvation. You can hear God's word, Romans ten seventeen. So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You can believe that word, Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. You can repent of your sins. We can all do that at any time. Luke 13, 3, which uh, Jesus said, I tell you, nay, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. You confess Christ as the Son of God, Romans 10, 9, and 10. Thou, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe... In, in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then you can be baptized, as Paul was in uh, Acts 22.16, which it was told him. And now, why tarriest thou, or why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And then we're to remain faithful. Revelations 2.10 says, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you that crown of life that we talked about. So if you've already obeyed but have drifted away, you can come back to God and get back on that path. In whatever way and whatever need you have, you can come forward now as we stand and sing.